Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. So, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Serge here and I'm joined by my friend and colleague Slava. Hey everyone. So this is round two of this episode as uh, our recording software decided not to save anything we did last time. We tried to record this, so this is round two. We're going to try our best to bring you guys the same energy we brought last time. And uh, we're super excited for this one as well. So this episode is the third episode in our job acquisition series. And this one, we're going to be talking a little bit about negotiations and contract talks and some of the uh, some of the things involved in those. And we're going to be essentially giving you guys some pro tips from a Harvard Business School professor named Deepak Malhotra and alongside with our own experiences um, within the whole thing. And so the whole point of this podcast is to help maximize the negotiations process right before you sign the contract for that dream job. All right, so without further ado, it's time to get down to business. And uh, later in the episode, you'll also hear some uh, pro tips from two individuals who have had a lot of experience with the negotiations on the job. Uh, One of them actually authored the ultimate guide on negotiating your contract, so Nobody better to speak on that point uh, than him. And the other person, he's the founder of uh, Physio Night Out, and he's worked in different settings in physiotherapy, so he definitely knows on how to negotiate contracts in some of those branches of physio. So without further ado, let's get into the first theme. Yep, so we essentially did, um, we tried to separate some of these points that were mentioned by Deepak into three different themes that we found. And again, we'll be talking a little bit about our experiences as well. So it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag of things to just give you guys an idea about the whole thing. Uh, We've been in a few contract negotiations ourselves for now. Obviously, the more we go through, the more experience we'll have. But uh, so let's get into the first theme. Uh, So the first thing that we found uh, based on some of his notes and our experiences as well, is that every negotiation is going to be different because you have people involved. And so the circumstances also differ uh, in which you negotiate. So you always have to keep that in mind, right? The one point that he mentioned, which was a really good point, is that companies don't negotiate, right? It's the people that negotiate. And so when you're negotiating with somebody, you have to kind of know what their limitations are because every person will be different. And so because of that, you might be able to get some things uh, within that negotiation from some person, but you might be able to get different things from another person, right? And this is something that we found also when we were doing our negotiations, right? So we've had experience negotiating with people from HR. We've had experience in negotiating with directly the clinic owner. Now, for example, with HR, you know, if we want something, they do. there's another approval process that they might have to go through. They have to talk to other people in um, different departments to uh, you know, give our request to them to see if that's something that's feasible. Whereas a clinic owner can make those decisions um, on their own if they're the only one there. Maybe they have a clinic manager or somebody else working with them, but it's a, maybe it'll be less steps for the clinic owner. But the most important thing is that, you know, you just have to remember that it's the people that you're negotiating with and not the company itself, right? I couldn't agree with you more, Sarush. Um, every negotiation is definitely different because... Um, 
the circumstances are always different. Mm-hmm. And the number one circumstance is how badly do you want this job? If it's your first job coming out of uh, graduation, you're obviously are hungry for it. You want to make sure it's the best one. And you want to sign the contract for the long term, right? Right. So you're going to be negotiating with uh, some of these characteristics in mind, right? <laughs> the second thing is uh, what's your financial position? Obviously, if you're a new grad, uh, coming out of uh, graduation, as I said, you'll be in a vulnerable financial position. So you want to start earning money as soon as possible mm-hmm. to pay off those percentage points, right? The drain our financial freedom. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Um, and again, you always have to keep in mind what items on the negotiation list are the most important to you, right? Based on your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the second set of circumstances that's different is which company you're negotiating with. Is it a larger company with a lot of offices across the country or is it a very boutique clinic? Uh, with uh, Because those companies will fulfill different uh, objectives, right? right. Do they want just a clinician to come on board and uh, drive their patient experience operations? Do they want a, more of a business-oriented person coming in and uh, trying to shore up their uh, operations side of things? So those are um, kind of different circumstances from the company point. And as you mentioned before, who you're talking to from the company really matters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this person going to be the one doing the hiring or are you talking to the middleman, right? So right. with the HR positions, it's more of a middleman situation where they need to ask um, the decision maker for some of those points on the contract. Well, mm-hmm. if you're talking directly to the owner, this process could be a lot more streamlined and better, right? Right. Um, so that's... Um, uh, where we stand in terms of the circumstances. Do you have anything to add to this? Um, no, in, in terms of uh, the one thing with the um, the financial position also, you, you have to be careful with um, how you approach that as well, right? Because you will have debt. So, I mean, you know, it's easy sometimes to get impatient because you want to start paying off your debts as soon as possible. But at the same time, this long-term thinking is also going to be pretty crucial because you don't want to, you know, take a job that you're just doing it for the finances, uh, finance purposes, because you feel like, oh, you need to get a job right now. Some people will be in that position and, you know, there's no choice, right? But at the same time, if you have the opportunity to wait and uh, a little bit as well, um, that might actually work out in your favor as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that wraps our theme number one. Jumping on to the theme number two, uh, what we essentially we want to communicate here is that you need to provide massive value in order to be able to negotiate properly. Because if you're like everybody else, you will get the stra- standard treatment, right? right. If you're just uh, a new grad coming in from, um, uh, from school and you just want to be a clinician, then you will get the standard clinician treatment, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to find ways in order for you to stand out from the rest of the candidates mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be applying for jobs. So the one thing that the company needs to do that who you're negotiating with is they need to like you. So that's the first component that's extremely important. So mm-hmm. how do they like you? It's the fact that you're being respectful during the whole negotiations process and the whole communications process. Um, you need to present yourself in a good way and uh, you need to make sure that um, you communicate uh, clearly and so that everybody can understand you, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing that's massive is that the employer needs to believe that they can get you, right? You're not just coming into the interview thinking that, uh, oh, I'm just here uh, to practice the interviewing skills, but that you need to communicate the fact that this position is important mm-hmm. for you and you're actually going to be uh, negotiating with something at stake, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they think at the end of the day you're going to say no thank you to the offer, nobody will go out of their way to negotiate, 
So you got to be showing everybody that you're serious. Right. And another one that Deepak was also saying in his uh, talk was, you have to always shoot for an 11 out of 10. And what they mean by that, what he means by that is, um, there's two things that usually also happens after a negotiation, right? And one is that they'll give you or not give you what you wanted at the beginning. And the other thing is they're going to be rating you from 0 to 10 of how much they actually want to work with you. Right, so um, you want them to want to work with you at an 11 out of 10 rate. So you want them to like you even more after the negotiations process than they did before. Because you know, if you go through the negotiation process, that you show them you're being respectful, you understand what their viewpoints are, what their needs are, and how you can help fill those needs, um, they'll be a little bit more um, happy, more inclined to offer you and potentially work with you even more uh, down the line. Even for example, you know, which you know we've had cases before. You know, we haven't gotten everything that we wanted on the contract, but that's not to say that we did. We said no because we didn't get everything. But opportunities will also keep arising in the future, right? So you have to also keep that in mind. So if something is, if you're saying no to something now, if they like you, if they respect you, maybe in the future it'll become a yes, right? So and that's what kind of the mindset that it would be good to go in with because again they also can't offer you everything maybe maybe you'll get a contract where everything is so perfect you don't even need to do negotiations you're like that's it i'm good i'm gonna sign it right but but that doesn't happen as often as we'd like um but the most important thing is you just want to make sure that they like you even more after the negotiations because the negotiations isn't you know an easy component right you know you have to tell truth there's some hard truths that have to be said so if they like you afterwards that really shows a lot about you as well for sure. And um, looking at you, Saroosh, some of the, I've seen you interact with the, during the negotiations process as well. And um, going back to that point of providing massive value, right, in order to be able to negotiate. So you're a new grad, you, your clinic, clinical skills are coming off from quality uh, uh, placements at U of T, right? But at the same time, your massive value lies in the following two aspects, right? One thing is that you're interested in the business aspect of things, right? And right. Uh, a smart owner always looks uh, for continuous growth, right? Because if we're not growing, we're dying, right? Right. So <laughs> uh, in terms of the business operations, that's something you bring on top of being just a clinician, right? Um, and the second component is the fact that you yourself have analyzed what's going on with the um, uh, clinical aspect, right? Yeah. And some of the most important parts of the whole uh, uh, patient journey through physiotherapy mm -hmm. is the patient experience, right? Absolutely. So that's something you and I both double down on, mm -hmm. double down on in the clinic, in order to be able to not only drive the clinical aspect of things, yeah. but the business part of it, right? So that's where your and mine value lies. Yeah, and, and you know the one thing that I think that Slava and I, when we come from the the business kind of component. Uh, uh, viewpoint, we always make sure that the individual wanting to hire us or negotiate with us understand that, you know, obviously they're hiring us to be clinicians, but it's the extra value that we bring, for example, giving that perspective on the business side, right? That's what we try to communicate because you are, we are physio, physiotherapists or physiotherapy residents, um, etc., right? We're providing the service of physiotherapy, right? And a good business owner will understand that good service means good care. 
mm-hmm. right? And good service always feeds back into the business. So having poor service and helping with the, like, try to drive the bottom line through social media, for example, is not going to help the business, right? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter how much presence you have over social media. If you don't have a good system where you're providing good care, you know, at the same time, people are not going to come back, right? So that's also very important. And at that point, you know, we, the individual also understands that, like, you know, you understand that the care is very important, but you want to also give you an extra value on top of that. And, you know, hopefully then after that, they, they like you even more after you kind of give them those uh, little points. Exactly. And for the more experienced clinicians, right, it's not only the value, there's a much larger value on the clinical side, right? Absolutely. It's the courses, it's the experience, mm-hmm. and one of the biggest experiences is how you interact with the patients, right? Yeah. How you guide them through that clinical journey and how you get the buy-in into the treatment plan, right? Exactly. It starts from the very first moment you see the patient in the in the waiting room mm-hmm. all the way to, to the discharge, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the biggest values that drives the business side of things as well. Mm-hmm. And if you want to read more about that, check out Slava's blog on the PPD website. He's got five pro tips <laughs> for the new grads. He's been doing really well. I've seen him in the clinic, so definitely check that out. So we're going to go into our third theme now, uh, which we call the art of negotiation. So this one's a little bit more kind of a bullet round where you provide some points and a little bit of experience uh, associated with it. So the first one that we want to talk to you guys about is you need to be flexible on the currency they pay you. And this is what Deepak was saying as well. So it's not only about how much split percentage uh, you get, how much hourly pay you get. Obviously, those will be a factor, right? There's always a lot of other ways where you can get paid, right? Um, for example, they may provide you with educational funding because if you take courses, and as we all know, some physiotherapy courses are fairly expensive. So, you know, you're dishing out five to eight hundred bucks at least for a few courses, right? Um, so if they provide you educational funding, that's that has a monetary value, right? So they're not giving you a higher split there, but if they give you educational funding, then that's really helpful, right? The other thing is, for example, what are some ways maybe if, let's say, you are wanting to get involved with the business, is there a way you can work with the business like side of things? And then would that provide monetary value or, you know, value in terms of experience, right? Because experience also in the future can translate into, you know, how much you get paid, right? Because a lot of people who gain, do volunteer work and stuff, that experience still increases their skill set, which can translate into you getting, quote-unquote, paid more. Mm-hmm. The next point is don't negotiate just to negotiate, right? So don't try to argue for something for the sake of proving that you can get what you want because mm-hmm. you want to prove to yourself that you're such a great negotiator, yeah. right? Uh, there are going to be items on, the, on each contract that are very important to you, again, based on your circumstances from uh, theme one. Uh, versus the ones that are kind of secondary, right? So mm-hmm. if you're planning to stay uh, long-term at a particular job, right, you're not going to be negotiating the non-compete as much, right? Yeah. Whereas if you want to open up a clinic uh, down the road somewhere, right, then you might want to negotiate the non-compete uh, portion of the contract. Same thing with the, uh, with your salary or your uh, fee split, as well as um, some of the mentorship aspects of the contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, going on the topic of things that are important to you, whenever you go to the through the negotiation process, it's always 
good to also negotiate on multiple issues simultaneously. And again, another point by Deepak, and we have definitely tried to implement this in our negotiations process. So when we get a contract from one of the individuals that we're looking through, we, we open up our document, our notepad, whatever it is, uh, we start, you know, looking at each section that we want changed, right? And, you know, we've been in situations exactly where the, the person that's talking to you might not have a ton of time to sit down with you and negotiate. You know, maybe they're busy, maybe they're doing other things at once. So even if that's the case, right, you always have to try to get multiple issues, um, you know, make them understand your viewpoint. But at the same time, you have to rank those issues from one to five or one to 10 or whatever, how many issues you have. But make sure you know what your top three are. Because, for example, if they don't have a lot of time, you want to spend more time talking about top three points that you're going to be um, wanting to change for sure, then bring those up first, right? But make sure the other individual across the table understands that these are the multiple issues. You can either send them an email or whatever it is, or and then also rank them from one to ten um, if you don't have a lot of time or, you know, if you want to make sure that there's certain things that you want changed for sure. Exactly. Um, the other um, aspect in the art of negotiation is uh, always telling the truth because uh, uh, always when we want to end up in the best set of circumstances, sometimes there is that temptation to exaggerate the truth, exaggerate the truth a little bit, but you ultimately have to resist that temptation to tell even the smallest lie because um, don't get into that habit of saving whatever needs to be said yeah. to get the deal done because ultimately... You want to be constantly true to yourself uh, and you don't want the job or the contract negotiations to change who you're going to be because if you start uh, drifting away from who you truly are at a job, ultimately you will end up uh, resenting what's going on and uh, end up leaving the job anyways, right? So in most cases, you could still tell the truth in a smart way and end up where you want. You just have to um, phrase... Um, phrase your uh, kind of conditions in a way that's understandable to the opposing person on the negotiation side. And, and you know, one of the last points that I want to talk about that he was also talking about is don't be in a rush to get a job offer and to finish this negotiations, right? Um, it, it's important because, you know, obviously, again, like we, like I said earlier as well, Sometimes you might not be in a position where you can wait, right? Like if you have bills you need to pay, if you have certain things you need to do, it definitely is tough. And it's there's no black and white in terms of how you should approach negotiations because every situation is going to be different, like we said. But the the thing you do have to remember is you have to first evaluate yourself. Now, can I wait? Can I wait a little bit longer? Is it okay? Like, am I, for example, am I living at home? Like, could my parents cover the expense? Am I living with somebody? Can can somebody else cover these expenses, etc.? So if there's not a financial burden, for example, that's holding you down, or maybe you want to wait a little bit more, that's even better. Because sometimes you don't want quick negotiations, quick, quick thing, quick turnarounds, and then you end up not liking the job because you didn't have enough time to do your due diligence, to do your shadowing, to go in to see. Uh, how things are operating, etc. Like we talked about in our previous episodes, um, you know, you want to make sure that you have some context as well, right? For example, you know, even uh, Slava and I, as we did more negotiations, not that, not to say that right now we've hit our peak in terms of, and we're master negotiators. We're definitely not, right? Where um, the more negotiations we do the more we learn from the negotiation process, right? And so we actually become better negotiators 
partially because he went through those previous negotiations, right? And that experience, you know, gives you a context. So you'll see how people act uh, in, terms, in negotiations, like if they're a clinic owner or, or a certain other person. And you'll also kind of get an understanding of what are some things that you see other jobs can offer. And then, for example, you go to another job and the, the job says, oh, we can't offer that. But now you have a bit of an idea of what the market is like as well in terms of what clinics can and can't offer. So that also, again, that context is really important. You get a bit of a background. And so the more you go through these processes, the better you become. And so obviously you won't have a perfect negotiation. So it's never going to be 100% exactly the way as you imagine it. If it does, that's amazing. But if, it, you know, I haven't had one where it was perfectly the way I imagined but just you know, take your time with it and um, think it through. Make sure that it's definitely the right job for you. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to be perfect because when the two sides come to the table, it's always going to be a compromise, right? Because you can't always have it a one-sided negotiation where mm -hmm. you get everything that you want unless you're a <laughs> super physio that's just going <laughs> to take the clinic from like $50,000 of revenue to like a million in one year, right? But <laughs> all <laughs> of that know. is a process. <laughs> <laughs> All of that is a process, and yeah. um, the ultimate thought we wanted to leave you with is uh, when negotiating and uh, finding any kind of a job or any kind of a clinic, all you're looking for is the right fit, right? Mm -hmm. The right fit that uh, connects you with the purpose mm -hmm. that you want to commit to, right? right? Because all those things are secondary, the financial gain, the, uh, the mentorship, um, you have to ultimately look at your purpose. If you want to become a master clinician down the road, then you want a clinic that enables uh, you to do so, right? Education, yeah. Exactly. If you want to be an amazing um, um, kind of mogul of the business operation side of things, mm -hmm. then you want a clinic that enables you to um, participate in the management side of things and mm -hmm. some of the business decisions and uh, so on, right? Right. Yeah, and, you know, again, just to re-emphasize it, we do want to make sure that you pick the job that's going to affect your happiness at the end of the day, right? Again, like Slava was saying, it's very important to do that because, you know, it doesn't matter how good the negotiations are. If the job isn't a job you really internally deep down want, then you're not going to be as happy about it as, for example, another job that you went through negotiations. Maybe you didn't get as much, but you know you really wanted a job. So. Kind of you again. There's a lot of evaluation of yourself at the end of the day, and see what are some things that you want to get out of the whole negotiations process. Exactly. So now we've reached the point of the podcast, uh, which you probably anticipated more than the actual podcast. Is the <laughs> pro tips from the experts. So let's listen into some of them. Here is Daryl Yardley with his first tips. So. As you guys know, I get a lot of questions around contract negotiation. And the first thing I will tell anybody is do not undervalue yourself um, or be completely oblivious to your own worth. So, so the tagline I would always share is demand what you deserve and, and do you feel that you've got that? Um, however, before you kind of go into you know, signing any contract or starting to do your job interviews, you need to know, you need to do your research. You have to know what the industry is offering so you don't come across as being too pushy. Um, and you need to reach out to a mentor if you're not confident with what, you know, with what you've identified in your research and clearly, you know, ask your, um, your colleagues in your class, find out if they've had other placements at a, a location you're interested in. That's, you know, the first thing that you must do. Um, the second piece is, is you need to know your deal makers and your deal breakers before you ever begin your job search. And, and what that is, is really, you know, you could take, 
you know, a yellow sticky note and a, and a bunch of pink sticky notes and you start identifying, you know, what's the, you know, how much does wage, um, you know, impact your decision? You know, what's your geography you're looking to work within, you know, caseload management and expectations are those things that are, you know, deal makers and bakers for you. Um, what's your continuing education allowance? You know, is there mentorship there? Is benefits included? And, and the list will go on for sure. Um, but, you know, just to quickly summarize, you know, deal maker is the, the part that will entice you to sign, you know, a contract. So those are your job perks. Um, and a deal and a deal breaker are those ones that, you know, those there's aspects that will start to add up that, you know, they set off your alarm bells. You just have that uncomfortable feeling, sort of settling feeling in your stomach, and you just don't feel, you know, that would make it a good fit for you to move forward. So low compensation, you guys don't see the room for growth, you know, you know, there's not really, the, the clinic seems to have a poor culture. And, and really one of those, you know, key pieces for me is when you start to put the total package together in a location, you better, you, I really don't want you to confirm that total package until you actually do an observational visit. So if you're going to go look at, you know, private practice clinic, you know, A, and that's where you're like, oh, this is a perfect, this is it, this is my dream job. And you don't go and observe that for an hour or two, you may be making a huge mistake. But then again, you may have an offer in front of you that may not be as sexy as another offer, but when you get to that clinic and you do that observational shift, you know, the culture is amazing and all of a sudden that deal becomes the one that you guys want to take. So that's sort of, you know, step number two. Um, step number three or tip number three would be reflecting your compensation expectations in the right terms. So again, we, I just sort of touched upon it around the total package, not just the hourly rate or the fee split percentage, because remember, it's very, very easy for me as an owner to say, I'll give you a high fee split, but if I don't have any patients for you to see, then a high percentage of nothing is nothing. And, and we see that quite often. So again, making sure that you've, uh, you know, have, have some good thought into what is the compensation look like. Um, the one piece that I, I talk quite a bit about with every contract I review or any, you know, class I'm teaching or webinar is around gaining insight into your performance metrics. And you really have a hard time having any conversation around, um, you know, raises or incentives if you don't know how the owner and yourself are tracking your performance. So you have to identify, even before you sign the contract, what you're accountable for, and you're going to leverage your commitment to performance metrics in, that, in those discussions. And remember, if you're driving that discussion, your metrics should be focusing on patient experience metrics. And if you're not familiar with those, then you know, happy to have a conversation about how you start to have a better insight into those metrics. Um, and then again, my last tip would be, and it's the most awkward one, but if you're going into what you think is about to be your dream job, um, and that's the job that you want, you need to role play. Role play with a colleague, find a mentor to practice with, and again, the interview is the easy part. It's what about the next step when you're getting ready to negotiate? Um, what are those talking points? If they counter it with something, how do you respond to that? So I believe it's one of those, one of those very, very important pieces, despite that we would all prefer not to role play. I think it's, it's something that we have to be a bit more comfortable with. And I guess the last, last sort of summary point would be, if you don't ask, you won't receive. Um, you know, don't settle for your first offer. And don't forget to utilize the expertise of, of, of your mentors and your coaches. And when in doubt, in the contract negotiation stage, sometimes you know, chatting with an accountant or a lawyer is never a bad idea. Um, so that would be my, those are my tips for you.
Wow, some amazing tips from Daryl. Uh, he definitely knows uh, what he's talking about. He's got a ton of experience, and you know, uh, I would definitely write those tips down uh, if you're listening in, or just you know, um, bookmark this uh, part of the podcast for later as well. Uh, now we're going to listen to the founder of Physio Night Out. Ton of experience traveling, like we said, uh, a lot of different jobs, a lot of different contract negotiations he's been into, and uh, let's listen to Cash's top five tips. This is Cash Matthew. The first tip I would say is know your numbers. If you're going to be negotiating your pay, you should know your numbers. This is something you should be researching and be prepared for even before you go in for an interview because the pay talk does often come up on that very first interview. So what numbers should you know? Um, I'd say like the very first one I'd say is how much money you should be making as a PT. Now this varies by your location, your experience, setting, a bunch of other factors, but have a rough idea of how much an average PT is making in the area. You can just Google it, but I would even go one step further and ask your friends how much they've been offered or how much they make. And I know talking about money is taboo, but the more transparent you and your friends are with each other, the better you'll all be informed going into your negotiation and you're all going to benefit. Also, I would ask other more experienced PTs, you know, like your CIs or people who graduate in years above you, how much they think you should be asking for. And if you're given the option between fee for service or hourly or salary, Do the math, make a pros and cons list for your situation and choose what's best for you. And when you're considering fee-for-service, you should find out how many intakes do you expect a week? How is the intakes distributed? So is there a priority to other clinicians that puts you at a disadvantage? For instance, if they give new assessments first to more experienced clinicians and then to you. And also you wanna know how busy other physios generally are. This will give you a rough estimate of how much you should expect to be making. My second tip would be let them go first. So first off, I would defer the salary talk as long as you can, because the longer you can defer that conversation, the more time you have to impress the employer and to get them to like you and see how valuable you can be to them. Because if you can show them that, it will make it that much easier for your negotiations. Now, even when the salary talk does come up, it's better to let them go first most of the time. In the PT world, employers have the same access to info as you do. Employers likely just base it off of what other people have told them how much PTs should make. So no one really has all the answers. Sometimes you'll even get lucky and they'll open up with an offer that's more than what you were expecting. And this happened to me before and I know it's happened to a bunch of other colleagues as well. I suggest this especially to new grads because unfortunately they really do devalue themselves because they're used to making less money in entry-level jobs and now when they're getting an offer of maybe $28, which is really low by the way in the PT world, they jump at it. And as well, they they do a lot of negative self-talk. They tell themselves things like, well, I don't know anything yet. I'm just a new grad. But the truth is the clinics are charging the clients the same and insurances are getting billed the same regardless of the clinician's experience. So if the employer is heavily investing resources and time in helping develop and grow you like mentorship and continuing education or anything else that they would otherwise not have to invest in someone with more experience, then it makes sense why they would pay you significantly less. Otherwise, you gotta not devalue yourself just because you're a new grad. I know everyone's gotta start somewhere, but again, know your numbers and don't devalue yourself. The third tip would be set a range. So when you have to go first, establish a ballpark range rather than a specific number. There's a book I read on negotiations called Never Split the Difference. I highly recommend this book. And in it, they talk about a study out of Columbia Business School. The study found that applicants that named a range received significantly higher overall salaries than those who offered a number. 
So you want to set the low end of the range as the number you actually want because the person on the other side will feel like anything on the low end of your range is a win for them and they're happy. And you got what you wanted, so you're happy. The fourth tip is use the F word. Now what I mean by use the F word is use the word fair. So before I get into this, I just want to say that when you're negotiating, you don't want to damage a relationship that you may have with someone, especially because you may end up working for that person. So you want to treat it like a collaboration and not a fight. But I heard this tip in the book, Never Split the Difference Again, and I thought that this is a really easy thing that anyone can implement right away. So when you're giving an offer or a counter offer, you want to use the word fair. So if you get a lowball offer by an employer who tells you, let's say they say they're going to pay you $28, you can reply by saying, thank you for your offer, but based on the average hourly earnings for new grad PTs in the area of about $37 to $39, I think a number in that range would be more fair. Again, I'm just making up these numbers, but let's just break down what effect that might have on the person on the receiving end of the word fair. So an area of PT practice that's been getting a lot of attention lately is the impact of words and how what we say as clinicians impacts our patients. So this holds true when we are communicating with anybody at all at any time in our life, whether it's your family, friends, strangers, whoever. So words carry a lot of meaning and they can have influence on our thoughts, our emotions, and ultimately influence our actions. So when I use the word fair in my negotiations, the person would feel like they're acting unfair by denying me or veering too far on the opposite end of my anchor. And that anchor in the example was $37 to $39. Now, again, keep in mind that you shouldn't be making stuff up, but there is a use for it if you want to set your negotiations at a level that you actually feel is fair, or if you want to counter an offer that is unfair and bring it closer to a level that's fair. You want to use it more like an anchor to bring someone closer to the level that you're more comfortable with. Number five is it's not all about money. I want to emphasize this one especially for new grads. You have your whole career ahead of you. Do what you think is best for you in the long haul. Pursue those paths that will take you where you want to be in the future. But to veer this back to negotiations, because I don't want to go on a tangent on a completely different topic, let's say you have multiple offers. Consider other things that the job can offer you, like mentorship, personal and professional development, work environment, schedule, benefits, just other things. Especially because your job is such a big part of your life. You're spending so much time there, and if you're unhappy, it's not worth the money. And the mentorship, the growth you can make, the things you can learn, and the people you meet, other things can be so much more valuable. And this is stuff that money can't buy. That's the stuff you need to consider when choosing between jobs, but also when you're negotiating your contract. So in the book, Getting to Yes by Roger Fisher, he talks about this idea of inventing options for mutual gain. So maybe you can concede on something, but instead get something else. Like you can see it on the wage, but get more in terms of funding for professional development or get more flexible hours or more vacation time. Maybe you can give the option of extending your hours into the weekends or into the evenings when that wasn't an expectation in the beginning. So you can negotiate other terms that aren't monetary terms. Now let's say they gave you an offer that you're not completely sold on. Ask them, is there anything else that we can do to work this out? If you can't think of a solution, maybe they can. If you do a calibrated question like this, it shows that you're still open to introduce new ideas and requests. So if you fear sounding too pushy or coming too strong, maybe open it up for them to invent an, a new option instead. In the end, just remember that money isn't everything. If it's a great job, great environment, great people, and somewhere where you want to work, and it's going to help you grow and be happy, then that can be worth way more than just a few extra bucks an hour. 
Hopefully these tips will protect some new grads from accepting some unfair offers. And just remember, just cause there's an offer doesn't mean you have to accept it. Do what you feel is best for you. Wow, amazing Cash. Some uh, great things to talk about. Definitely uh, valid points. And again, if you need to pause the podcast to write some of this thing, some of these pro tips down, please feel free to do so. All right. So that is it for our podcast today, guys. Uh, We just want to thank you guys for listening in. And hopefully that we were able to provide you with some value with this podcast. And uh, we do want you to, again, emphasize do your own due diligence. Uh, Make sure that you understand what you're getting uh, into if you're signing a contract. If you need other people to, you know, go through the contract with you, it's not a bad idea to get an uh, accountant uh, or a lawyer or other professionals to be involved with this if you're not sure how to review contracts. Um, Because, again, not everyone's going to understand all the lawyer jargon that's on the contract. So if you have any questions, obviously reach out to some professionals. These tips were just meant to give you some ideas on what we did through our experience, some of the things we learned. All right. So thanks so much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you guys on our last episode where we're going to be talking to you guys a little bit about the first month on the job and some of the points that uh, we've done or some of the things that we've done to try to maximize our success in the first first month. And uh, so see you next time. Again, if you have any questions, send us an email at info at ptbusinessquarter.com or shoot us a message on one of our social media. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.